You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Oh, tell me more, tell me more. So, so great to be with you guys, worshiping online and here in the Cameo. And I noticed a row of folks from our first youth group here at City Tribe. Could you guys kind of wave over there? And I just want to honor Carlos there. Carlos, would you just stand up real quick? I'm sorry to embarrass you, but here it goes. So Carlos was the first youth pastor here at City Tribe Church, started City Youth. And, you know, today... Today, okay, sit down, Carlos. But anyways, today, <laughs> today we have a great city youth going. And you know, one guy was a catalyst for that, and it's Carlos. And we just honor you and thank the Lord for you, Carlos. It's made a huge impact, certainly on the generation of awesome, you know, now young adults that are sitting on your row and many more over the years. So thank you, Carlos. We honor and bless you, dude. And you know, it's important that our students come to a safe place like City Youth where they can deal with emotional health concerns, you know, like what we're all dealing with. And today, as we've been, you know, continuing our peace practices series, we could focus in on a lot of stuff that stresses us out, couldn't it? Couldn't we? But how about we focus on something that'll give us peace? And that's the words of Jesus. I want to take you first to Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, where Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And look at this next part of the verse. Here's what I want you to focus on. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Not just a little bit, but you are far more valuable to him than they are. So we're going to do a brief meditation on this text where we say the words heavenly father, then we inhale and then we'll say, I'm valuable to you, and exhale. You guys ready to do it? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I'm valuable to you. Try it one more time. Heavenly Father, I'm valuable to you. Man, isn't that a great way to start our conversation today? Because see, it doesn't matter what other people think about us. What matters is what God thinks of us. And he says that we're valuable to him. See, but I know we live in this world that is trying to get us to worry about what everybody else thinks about us. But in our conversation today, we're going to learn how we can have peace over that people-pleasing inclination. And you know, can I tell you that on February the 9th, 2009, the whole landscape of emotional health changed on that day. You say, well, what happened on February the 9th, 2009? Well, that was the day that Facebook unleashed the like button. The like button went site-wide on Facebook on that day, and it changed everything. The most liked person on Facebook right now is Ronaldo, the great soccer player, He's the most liked. I think he's got like over 150 million likes. And then the most liked picture on Instagram is none other than the egg. Have you seen the egg? Okay, the egg actually surpassed a post by uh, Miley, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Jenner, what's her name? 
tell me. Kylie Jenner, I couldn't remember. She had this picture of Puss. And so the egg was the internet's way of saying, we want someone to be more popular than Kylie Jenner's post, see? And what it came out later that the egg, I guess, little account is like called the world record egg, revealed itself was a part of a mental health campaign confronting the pressures of the like button. Now, I think what we all know is that researchers are really concerned with the effects of the like buttons on our emotional health these days. In fact, uh, one cognitive neurologist, Ofer Terrell, says the social reward system activates the ventral stratum, a part of the brain that focuses on decision-making and reward-related behavior. It's the same area that fires up when people gamble, enjoy a slice of cake, or having sex. So we all know that the like button can be kind of addicting, can't it? Like, it's like cake, right? Then uh, this, this is why the social media platforms are now allowing users to hide the like buttons. Did you know that? You know, you can go into your settings and you can actually hide the likes if you want to. So Instagram CEO Adam Mosier says, we're trying to reduce anxiety. We're trying to reduce social comparison. So some of us might doubt their motives in that, but at least we know that Instagram influencers are now having to worry about their own metrics because the companies that would typically pay them money to be influencers for said company now have to figure out how do you monetize? How do you know how powerful my reach is if people can't see the likes like they once could? But I think what we all know is we're not supposed to be people pleasers. We all, none of us want to be people that live under the tyranny of the likes, do we? Can we, can we kind of establish that as a baseline here? We don't want to be people pleasers. But the question today is, how do you do that? You know, how do you keep from wanting to look at everybody that watched your Instagram story? You know, how do you keep from looking down that list of all the people that like your posts, right? And get that jolt of energy that you, you feel from that. And another part of not being a people pleaser is the ability to say no. You know what I'm saying there? Because sometimes you just can't, you, you want, you're a nice person. You want to do what people Ask you, ask you to do, but some, the best thing that some of us can do is learn to say no. You know, um, remember your limits. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and remember I told you that story about how Jesus said some people have a capacity of 30-fold, some have a 60-fold capacity, some 100-fold capacity, and we need to live within our limits and say no to stuff that's beyond our limits. So remember, I told you that, you know, I kind of, in my mind, I want to be a rapper. You know, I want to be like P. Dougie Fresh, the rapper, but I know my limits and I know my role. And it helps me to say no to other things that uh, there's so much demand for my rap. Okay. So anyways, our, uh, look, our limits and our role help us know when to say no. I really like the way author and pastor Pete Scazzaro said it. He said, it's important to understand that both yes and no are loving words. Remember, when I say no, it's not against you, but it's for me. And while my no might make you sad, it doesn't make me bad. Most importantly, if I say yes, when I really want to say no, I erode my integrity and hurt both of us. He says, we must be able to say no if we're able to say a healthy yes. And then there's the organizational psychologist, Adam Grant, who says it this way. Saying no doesn't mean you don't care. It's an act of self-care. It isn't selfish to set boundaries. It's selfish 
of others to expect you to be selfless. A gracious decline isn't a rejection of the person. It's a recognition that you don't have the energy for this right now. So some of you are overextended right now. And the best way that you can avoid the likes or the people pleasing is you can learn to say no. But one of the things that I want to show you today is that while no is a powerful tool to keep you at peace, there's something that's more powerful. There's a powerful secret weapon that can obliterate the tyranny of the likes. And Jesus reveals it to us in Matthew chapter six. Look with me at verses one through four. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in what? Say that word. Secret. Then your father who sees what is done in, what's that word again? Secret will reward you. And so in light of that passage, here's the secret weapon. Here's how we find peace or serenity is that serenity comes from secrecy. So why don't we say this transforming idea together out loud in the spirit of Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. Ready to say it with me? It's a serenity comes from secrecy. Okay, ready? Here we go. Serenity comes from secrecy. You did well. So I want to give you a feel for the culture in which Jesus gave us this truth. One time, a friend of mine, Fareed, took a picture of me at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. And I was praying there, and I thought it's going to be this mega spiritual experience. You know, I'm praying at the Western Wall. It's this big historic site. And when I was praying there, I, was, I thought it was strange. I thought it was going to be this big spiritual experience, but it really wasn't a big spiritual experience. I get a closer connection with God when I pray in secret. But then when I was leaving the wall and trying to get back to my tour group, there was an Orthodox Jewish guy in front of me, and I was just trying to tap him on the shoulder to get by him to get to the rest of my group. And before I could tap him on the shoulder or touch him, he backed up. And he said, hey, 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 don't touch me. Don't touch me. It's like, and it dawned on me, I'm a Gentile. I'm like a mega Gentile, okay? I'm like so unclean to him, right? So he didn't want me to touch him. And it dawned on me what Jesus was dealing with is these people that didn't care about other people who were trying to find God or connect with God, but they just want to go pray in public for what? The likes to be seen by other people. And in some ways, it's not unlike our culture in which we're taught to promote ourselves and build our brand and all of that. But Jesus gives us this counterintuitive means of finding peace. And we find the serenity through secrecy, right? So today I'm going to show you four truths about secrecy and serenity and peace. Number one, secrecy lives in the tension, It lives in the tension. You say, what do you mean the tension? Well, there's a tension between secrecy and something else that Jesus tells us to do in Matthew 5, 16. Look at that passage where Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father who's in heaven. So you see the tension there. See, we want to 
live in such a way that other people see our good deeds, but at the same time, we want to live in secret. On the one hand, we want to be like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And on the other hand, we don't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. That is a part of the tension. We want to let our light shine at the same time. This past week, I was on a phone call with a friend from Eastern Europe. His name is Jiku. And I think I brought a picture of Jiku and his family. And what he's doing right now to let his light shine is he's taking this bus down to the border of Ukraine because his country is a poor country, Moldova, and it borders Ukraine. And he fills the bus with Ukrainian refugees trying to escape the war. And he brings them to Kishino, Moldova, where they can get food and they can get shelter and they can get help and assistance through this time. And I can guarantee you that no, but most people in the world don't know who Jiku is but God knows who he is because Jiku right now, such a time as this, has stepped up, inspired by Bible characters who also stepped up in such a time as this, like Esther. Some of you know the story of Esther. In case you don't, she's a woman who was in a position to influence her king. And because of her influence on her king, she saved the lives of her people. Her people were going to be eradicated from the face of the earth. But because Esther had private influence with the king, publicly her people would be saved. And so we celebrate her today on this Women's History Month. In addition, we celebrate the many women in our church who serve in and through our church and lead things in and through our church, and many of them in secret, because what they know is that serenity comes from what? Secrecy, right? So the tension is not just about a tension between letting your light shine and secrecy, but the tension also involves trouble. Following Christ can get you into trouble from time to time. And what I want you to understand is that those of you who are spiritual investigators and you're coming here to try and figure out if God is legit and for real, and what we want you to know up front is that we we don't ask you to jump through a lot of religious hoops to come to a relationship with God. It's a gift you can receive. You just believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and you welcome God into your life as a free gift of grace. At the same time, it's only fair to tell you up front that just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you won't have trouble. And some people come and they think this is just another self-help exercise and that it'll make all your life better. Well, certainly it does make a lot of facets of your life better, but at the same time, it can lead you to trouble. Look at what John 16, 33 says. Jesus says, I told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. He wants us to have peace, serenity. In this world, you will have what? Trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So last week, I was also messaging with a pastor friend from Russia. He's a pastor in Russia. And I'm not going to mention his name or show you a picture of him because I don't want to put him in any unnecessary danger. But he's already putting himself in a lot of danger because on his social media in Russia, he's posting anti-war content. And he's also posting Every time the authorities come and visit him and try and correct him for his anti-war content there. 
This is a guy who's not living for the likes. And what I want you to know up front is, is that when you follow Jesus, sometimes there are things that you have to speak and say and do that will not earn you any likes. That's a part of following Jesus too. And I'm glad this guy's posting anti-war content. And so I thought it would be appropriate for us to take a little time out of the service today just to pray for this pastor and my friend Jiku, who's serving refugees. So will you guys join me in prayer for these guys? Lord, I want to pray for uh, the friend that's a pastor in Russia. And as he continues to speak for you and serve you in a difficult situation, I pray for his physical safety. I pray for his family and I pray for his church. I also pray for Jiku as he's serving refugees. I pray that they would encounter you through the help and aid that he's offering he and his church. And Father, we pray for an end to this senseless violence and war. We pray that you would turn those Russian troops back and end this and bring peace. And we pray it in your name, Jesus, everyone said. Amen. So in other parts of the world, people are encountering trouble because of their faith in Jesus. Now here in Texas, if you're in the cameo or wherever you're watching from online, if you're in the United States, you're not dealing with that kind of trouble right now. But the kind of trouble we are dealing with right now is an emotional health storm that's beyond what we've encountered in our lifetimes. And so many people are being negatively affected by approval, addiction, Right now, and that leads us to number two in that secrecy protects our hearts from approval addiction. Secrecy is something that protects your heart from the approval addiction problem. You say, What is approval addiction? Well, it's basically just living in bondage to what other people think, or it's living for the likes there. And look, I, I was reading this one book that talks about a study about people in public restrooms that don't wash their hands unless there are other people in the restroom. And so I'm like, how did you get that data? But it was kind of kind of strange to me. But everybody knows in the public restroom, most of the germs are on the doorknob, right? So what, what you got to do, you wash your hands, you take the paper towel and keep your paper towel with you and open the door. And then you prop the door open with your foot, wad it up and shoot a basket on your way out. Look, if it rims out, just let it lay, dude. Just let it lay. Get out of there, man. But that's what, what you do. But some people are worried about what other thinks. And I can tell you that pastors struggle with approval addiction because as pastors, you know, we want people to like our sermons and we want people to like our church and we want people to like us and stuff. And I was reading about this one pastor. It's kind of funny to me that he had denounced to his church that he was leaving his church for another, to go to another church. And when he made the announcement, this lady in the church started crying and wailing, you know, and he's trying to comfort her. He said, they're there because the next pastor is going to be way better than me. And she cried even more. And she said, that's what the last guy said. And we got you, you know, so uh, pastors got to try and find a way to not worry about that kind of stuff. But look, secrecy protects our hearts from slander and gossip and the chisme and the slander of other people, right? Go with me to Psalm 3120, where David says, you hide them in the what? Secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. And I think that Paul is also a great example of this. When you go to Galatians chapter one, verse 10, he says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please me? If I were tried, still trying to please men, 
I would not be a servant of Christ. And look, one of the things you have to understand about being a servant of Jesus Christ is that you cannot worry about the opinions of man. See, so I want to show you number three. It's going to be very helpful. And it's a quote that I got from Stephen Covey. No doubt many of you have seen his book, Seven Habits, you know, and he says, private victories precede public victories. Private victories in secret precede our public victories. And I believe that's why God is so concerned about what we do in private or in secret. Look at a few verses on this. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. God will judge us for everything we do, including every, say that word, secret thing. In the next few verses, I want you to read out loud the word secret when I come to it. There's Jeremiah 17, 10. I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Then there's Matthew 10, 26. The time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. That's a scary one, isn't it? And you know, the day you stand before God, he's not going to care how many plaques are on a wall that honor you. He's not going to care how many Instagram or Facebook causes that you joined. He's going to care about two things. Did you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin? And the second thing is he's going to care about is what you did in secret. He cares about the secret things. And as you consider what God cares about, I want you to consider some of the municipal buildings that you walk by. And when you look at those municipal buildings, you look at the names on those buildings and the plaques that honor people that gave a lot of money for those buildings typically. And then think about on the east side, the Carver Community Cultural Center. And I remember years ago when that building was being built and we all knew that it was being funded by NBA Spurs great David Robinson. And he was adamant that he did not want his name on that building. Why? Because David Robinson is a follower of Jesus Christ, and he understands that serenity comes from what? Secrecy. So you got to understand God's heart is not to just like catch you in your secret sins. That's not his heart. Really what he wants to do is catch you doing stuff right in secret. And that's why we have number four, that secrecy fosters intimacy with God. Secrecy and intimacy are the same. You think about your spouse, your significant other. Do you have these little names that you call each other at home? You know, you don't do it in public. You want to know what my secret name is for my wife? Nanya, Nanya business. Okay. This is between me and her because it's intimacy. See, remember those, some of you were here last year. We did this study for eight months through the book of Revelation. And when we were in chapter two, we saw a couple of things. We saw the hidden manna and we saw the white stone. You know what the hidden manna is? It's like a sweet bread from a story in the Old Testament. It represents like a meal that you have with God. Do you have a relative like your mom or your grandma that makes a special meal just for you? And as you think about that meal, does your mouth water? You know, there's something significant about that meal that your mom or your grandma makes for you. It's special. It's intimacy because it's your thing with her, between her and you, you know? That's the hidden manna. 
that's God's heart for you. But he also talks about a white stone for people that obey him. And the white stone in that day were, was the athletes. They would win. The, they, when they win at the games, they would get this white stone with their name engraved onto it. And basically, it was like an all-access backstage pass to the emperor's palace. And so God, when we obey him, he gives us access to himself and a personal meal with him, intimacy. It's what God is after with us. And he wants to reveal his secrets to us. That's his heart. Let me show you this in the scriptures. Look at Matthew 13, 11. He replied, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And it's also in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. And so I can tell you, some of the greatest people in the kingdom of God that we will see someday in heaven are not the people on stages like this and not the people whose names are on books or on a Spotify or an iTunes playlist. In fact, a lot of the greatest people in the kingdom of God don't know how to build their brand or any of that, but they're people oftentimes that serve the poor and obscure parts of the world. They're people that are intercessory prayer leaders that pray for people late into the night and sometimes feel the pain of the people that they're praying for people like our prayer team leaders that right now today, they're praying for us. They pray for us in secret so that we can encounter God. I think about a guy named Dennis Shaw who helped us start our church. Dennis was a very successful businessman and he served in the church and Dennis had a secret I found about one time. I got to the theater early. At that time, we were meeting in the Josephine Theater, not far from the Pearl. And that theater was kind of in disrepair at that time. And I got there early and I caught Dennis cleaning the restrooms, cleaning up liquor bottles and throw up that were in that restroom from a party that was in there the night before. And nobody knew. It was his secret. He was a very successful guy. He didn't need to be going to a church for free and cleaning the restrooms, but everybody walked in and enjoyed clean restrooms at church services because Dennis served in secret. And now he's passed away and he's gone on to heaven and he's being rewarded by God for his secret acts of goodness. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, 25. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. And Isaiah says something similar in chapter 45, verse 3. And I will give you treasure hidden in the darkness, secret riches, I will do this so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. He calls you by name. It's like Pastor Joe told us last week, and wasn't it an awesome service last week, when we learned that God says, I see you, and he calls you by name. Now, I want to give you a brief review, recap, reminder of what we've talked about thus far, the four things. Look at it. Secrecy lives in the tension. Number two, secrecy protects our hearts from approval addiction. Private victories precede public victories. Number four, secrecy fosters an intimacy with God. Now, I've always been fascinated by superheroes. You've heard that come out in some of my talks, you know, like Batman, new Batman out. I need to go see it. Is it pretty good? Should I go see it? Okay. Everybody says it's good. So I'm going to go. 
Um, Batman, great costume, great gadgets. I love me some Batman. And then there's Superman, great power and everything. His disguise is not so good. It's like the glasses. Everyone should know. You know, it's Clark Kent, right? We should know that. And then there's Aquaman, one of my favorites. He can breathe underwater. He can talk to the fish. I heard one comedian, you know, talking about Aquaman's conversations with the fish. You know, it may have gone something like this. You know, Aquaman says, hi, fish. The fish says, hi, Aquaman. Then Aquaman says, how's your day going, fish? The fish says, hi, Aquaman. Not a lot going on up there for the fish, right? So I love superheroes uh, because they, they do stuff good for other people, but they hide their identities. And why is it that we like that they do good stuff for other people and hide their identities? I think it's because we intuitively know what Jesus says is true, that there's something virtuous about doing good for others and hiding our identity, doing it in secret, not for the likes. And so that's why I was really fascinated by a real-life superhero I found out about some years ago. His name is Master Legend. And I brought a picture of Master Legend here. This is a guy that literally fights criminals. He like got all these, you know, martial arts skills and he goes out on the streets and fights with people and stuff like that. And then there was this article about Master Legend in Rolling Stone magazine and on rollingstone.com. In fact, in the print magazine, it was like 10 pages of stuff about this dude, Master Legend. And it shows his outfit that he created, you know, it's knife proof, but it's not bulletproof, okay? And he learned these martial arts, he fights with criminals, he even gives intel to the police about different criminals running around on the streets, and, uh, but that's not all he does. One time, Master Legend learned about this family that couldn't make rent, and he went around and raised the money to help these people keep from getting evicted from their apartment. And then he takes what he calls the battle truck and sometimes he fills it up with supplies and he goes under the bridges to what's called Skid Row in the city where he was living in that time. And he would take things like, you know, razors, soap, blankets, canned goods, toothbrushes, cigarettes, and candy to people under bridges, you know, giving something to all the folks living on the streets. And since the Rolling Stone article, Amazon Originals did a show based on the life of Master Legend. Now, I tried to look it up and watch it and must have not been very popular, so it isn't still running on there. And while I'm not ready to endorse everything Master Legend has ever said and done, what I can endorse is that a guy's doing good for people and he's keeping his own identity a secret, see? And maybe Master Legend understands something that you and I need to hear today, and it's simply this, is that serenity comes from secrecy. From secrecy. And when you came in today, perhaps you got one of these blank cards and a pen. So go ahead and pull that out now. And here's where the rubber meets the road, where we can be doers of the word of God, not just hearers only. I want you to consider what you might want to write down on this piece of paper that you can do in secret this week. And so I'll throw out some ideas. Maybe you could go and wash the tired feet of someone who's homeless under a downtown bridge and don't tell anybody about it. Or maybe you'd want to go to a nursing home and ask the person at the front desk which one of the residents doesn't have someone to come and visit them, doesn't have family, and you go visit them. Maybe you give secret cash to someone that you know is in need. 
Maybe you prepare a meal for someone and deliver it to their door and knock on the door and run, you know, get out of there. Maybe you pray for an hour and don't tell anyone about it. So as your mind is starting to think, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him by spirit to prompt us and bring thoughts and ideas and people to our heads that perhaps we're to serve in secret, shall we? So Holy Spirit, we say welcome to guide us, guide us in what we write down on these pieces of paper about ways that we can serve and love people in secret and crush the tyranny of the like button in our own hearts. So God, bring to mind pictures, people, some way that we can secretly serve someone that would be honoring to you. And as we're in your presence now, God, perhaps there's someone that didn't know that you wanted intimacy with them. They thought you were far off, but you're near. And as we bow in prayer before God, if you'd like a relationship with him that you've never had before in your life, I want you to just talk to him in the secret place of your heart right now. And just tell him something like this. Look, God, I know I've sinned and made mistakes in this life. But right now in this moment, I'm making a choice to believe. I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross for my sin. And you rose again from the dead to give me new life. Welcome into my life. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Well, as we wrap up today, I want to give you a brief, I guess, uh, preview of next Sunday. We're going to continue in our peace practices series talking about loss. We've lost a lot over the past couple of years, hadn't we? And sometimes you got to lean into that and then make a transition from loss to hope. And so that's next week. And then the week after that, we'll be talking about burnout. Some of you feel on the verge of burnout. We'll We'll talk to you about how to avoid burnout and all that in the coming weeks. Now, one of the ways that we worship is through, we call it sowing or like planting the seed into stuff that's important to Jesus financially, you know? And a lot of us like take a percentage of our income and, you know, give it to Jesus-y kind of stuff, you know? Well, we want to make that discreet and a thing where, you know, you can do that in secret as much as you would like to. And that's why I'm glad we don't pass offering plates or buckets here. If you've been in church, and it's like they pass the bucket in front of you. You're like, everybody's watching you. Am I going to put something in there or not? You know, and so we make it a bit more discreet for you. There are one of four ways that you can bring your offerings here. You can do it by mail if you're watching online, or you can text to tithe or in person or go to our website, citytribe.church slash tithe. So before you guys worship through your financial stewardship, sowing generosity, let's stand up together. And our benediction today is going to be the serenity prayer. We've been talking about serenity. And so I'll read this prayer on our behalf and you look at the words and I hope these words land on you and give peace to you as we speak them today. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, taking this world as it is and not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. 
so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. So dear brothers and sisters, go from here knowing that serenity comes from secrecy. See you guys next time. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.